What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have Lisa Olson, who is a former head track coach of Purdue University and a professor at Las Positas College. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to kind of get into your journey of how you became a track coach. Like what inspired you? Were you a track athlete or I just, you know, we didn't, we were talking on the phone for a little bit and we never really got there. So that's something I'd really like to dive into. Sure. You bet. So I started track and field at an early age in elementary school and I had a, along the way, um, had amazing, uh, really influential track coaches. So it started with my sixth grade teacher who got me started in track and field, Mr. Jeminer. have to give him a shout out. There you go. Um, very instrumental in just even getting me started in track and field. And so um, then in high school, I had a wonderful high school track coach, Mr. Pfeiffer, Coach Pfeiffer. And he also was uh, really instrumental in continuing, continuing my passion and such a positive influence really helped me get a college scholarship. So I was able to go to Washington State University in Pullman, Washington. Go Cougs. Yeah, go Cougs. Exactly. Uh, and there I uh, continued my track and field career under Jessica Castleman, who was my first female coach that I ever had in any sport. And I think with my, I registered one year. So I was there, I was with her for five years. And to see her one as my coach she actually coached me in my events but she was also a wife and a mother Ooh. and she brought her kids on road trips they were on the bus they were at track practice i think her influence and role model that wow i could actually be a track and field coach at this level and still have um a family and she was you know she was just the most positive influence that I could have asked for. Um, so yeah, she helped me get into coaching. So from after I left my, uh, my eligibility, finished my eligibility, I went right into college coaching at Central Washington University, which is a pretty small school. Yep. At that time, it was NAIA. Now they might be Division Two. They're di they're Division Two. That we played against them when I was playing football at Western. So, whoa, they, wait, they, you played football at Western? Yeah, I played football at Western Oregon for oh, like a year. That's yeah. fantastic. So, you played, uh, you played Central. Yes, we did. Oh, that's fantastic. So, that was actually a perfect start because, because it was a smaller university. Um, I was virtually right out of college and I was coaching athletes like, you know, a year younger. Um, and then that, that experience, and I also coached, this is kind of a key in my path, was I immediately coached men and women. So I coached men and women jumpers at Central Washington. And why that is so key is at that time, that was like 1990, mm -hmm. there were very few women coaching men. And so everything kind of happens for a reason. And I really believe that. And I was kind of I was enjoying my time at Central, but I was really missing the bigger Division One kind of program, wondering if I'll ever get break into that. Mm -hmm. And it was because of my coaching at Central and going to track meets and being visible as a woman coaching men that got me my first 
I guess I would say big time coaching job at the University of Washington. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, and they will tell, they will say that. I mean, they will say we, at that time with gender equity and um, trying to mirror the the uh, profile of the team. So whatever you're coaching, obviously you have a men's and women's team. It's half women. Mm-hmm. Just about every NCAA Division one program needed to have a woman on staff. So, with my experience of coaching men, that uh, really benefited me getting that, being able to get that job. That's awesome. So, was it was it difficult? Were you intimidated when you were coaching men? Was that something that you found difficult, or was it something that was just kind of nat- natural? Yeah. No. Thanks for asking. No, I, it was, and I've been asked that question my entire career. Uh, I never felt intimidated and maybe partly wise. I was kind of, I was so young when I started. Um, but I also was, uh, lucky, lucky to be really well respected, um, in the state of Washington and at central. Um, I think having the experience that I had and the awards and all that, the, the athletes were very, um, respectful and were excited to have someone coaching them. Um, with kind of the experience that I had. So that those two years at Central really helped help me seamlessly go right into the University of Washington. And um, from University of Washington, I went to Washington State. I went back to my alma mater um, for like four years. And then that's when I came to Purdue after that was um, after four years at Washington State. And at Purdue, I was it's kind of interesting. So at Purdue, so I, I left the Pac-10. It was the Pac-10 at the time. Yep. Now it's the Pac-12. You just dated yourself. What are I, you doing? Well, I, I, there's, no, there's no disguising my age. <laughs> Once you start throwing out the dates. Um, but what's interesting, it felt very strange leaving the Pac-10. Most of the programs were combined, meaning the men and the women trained together under one head coach. And so if you're the throws coach, you're the throws coach. You're the throws coach of men and women, sprints of men and women, jump coach of men and women. That was very, very common in the Pac-10. When I went to Purdue, they were the Big Ten was primarily still separate. So you had a separate men's coach, separate women's coach. So ironically, I was hired on the men's staff at oh, Purdue. That's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh it was a little odd. Those was it a couple of years? It's just strange to. That was my first time being in a program where there were kind of rules with the track of the men's team warms up on this side and the women warm up on that side. And I had to work with the women's jump coach on, okay, well, I'm going to high jump Tuesdays and Thursdays at this time. And when are you going to? It was just so strange to have to go through that. But um, after. After, I think it was two years. Gosh, I'll have to really think about that. After two years, they decided to combine the programs. And then I was named the head coach of both, of men oh, and women. So, holy smokes. There you yeah, go. That was a really, um, really, really big deal in the Big Ten. Because one, it was like one of the first few programs to combine. And then under a women's head coach was a really um, noteworthy, I should say. It wasn't all, uh, accepted, honestly, because in the big 10, I was the only woman head coach. So I was in a lot of meetings that 
I was the only woman and I was a young woman at the time. Um, so, you know, there's a little, it didn't bother me. I knew I had to earn my stripes and earn respect, which I, I hopefully did, but you know, there was definitely some vibes that you don't belong. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say <laughs> that one of the things I was going to say is like, was it when you first got there, was it like walking into a good old boys club Were there barriers that you had to break down and were you respected? You had the respect and the, and the pack 10 and now you're going to the big 10 and I'm assuming that they're like, who's this West West coaster? Who is this lady? You know, 100%, like hundred percent, a hundred percent. It was, yeah, you could definitely feel the men in the Big Ten that were uh, welcoming and glad to have you, and then others that were, you know, they just it it's it's just not something that they were used to or accepting of, which yeah. is fine. And now, I, ironically, they're all I shouldn't say they're all um, the majority followed suit and combined on, under one head coach. It just makes so much more sense financially. And um, the co you get really a lot better, um, much more expertise coaching that way. Um, oh, yes. When you combine. So absolutely. And the cohesion of the team, too. And just like more oh. camaraderie, more personality. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So how did how did you fare as a, when you were the head coach? So when I was the head coach at Purdue, our men's team, which I had already been a part of, um, really excelled. We got all the way up. Unfortunately, we never won a Big Ten championship. We were in the championship title a few times. Mm -hmm. The women, they had won Big Ten championships. And then they, it's kind of, it's, they fell down. So it was kind of like, it's hard as a head coach to, um, I don't, it was just really challenging. The women were used to a certain way and they weren't really used to me, I guess, cause they, they had a different head coach. The men, they were used to me cause I was already on their staff. Mm -hmm. So the men were, were really progressing and getting better every year. And they kind of just continued that where when I got the women, they were, they were at the top and they, they, they started to slip. So one went up, one went down. And um, it's really hard to have. It's not impossible by any means. There's a lot of programs that do it. Um, but initially, it was hard to get both teams at the top. Yeah, for sure. And how do you manage that, though, if you're a head coach and you have, I mean, you're essentially the CEO, a CEO and you're, you're organizing humans, which is incredibly different because you, I mean, your IQ kind of goes out the window in that regard. It's all EQ. You have to, yeah, that's how you manage humans is, is, is by being empathetic and, and building people up. So how do you do that? If you have the men that are, are improving and you have the women that are, are kind of slipping, like how, how, how did you try and go about changing that? That seems like a very complex issue. I have no experience in this area. Yeah. I'm very no, interested. No, it's very complex. Um, the other thing that, that I'll throw out there that I, I found um, a lot of experience I learned was as an assistant coach, and this is probably common for a lot of sports, you can be, you kind of serve a different role as an assistant coach. You're a little bit more safe for the athletes to maybe 
confide in, or you're, you have more of a, you're not really buddies, but you're a little closer than when you're a head coach. And I noticed a couple of things that I, I thought was unfortunate when I became a head coach. Now I'm the person making unpopular decisions. Who gets a scholarship? Who doesn't? Who travels? Who doesn't? And now I, you know, I'm not uh, making popular decisions. And then the other thing that I thought was really unfortunate is as an assistant, I had so much time to coach. I would be out on the track all day from morning till night till dinner time with different groups. But once I became a head coach, the administrative role really limited my ability to coach as much as I was used to. And my athletes at the time, especially men, uh, well, t- they saw the difference and they felt it. And it was, um, and I felt really bad that I would be in meetings, um, when normally I would be out on the track coaching. So it, it was difficult. And I, I'll be honest, I don't, from that experience, I, uh, I, and then the ship might've sailed anyway, just because of my, how my career path has changed. But I, I don't think I would want to be a head coach again. I loved being an assistant. Um, it's just a more relaxed, less responsibility. And I would have to say more fun. It is. It's definitely more fun. And I mean, I can definitely relate because your positions coach, those are your, they can, they can be more unprofessional and more like, you know, you have your own club. I was on the defense and I was a defense. I was a linebacker. And then sometimes I'd hang out with the big boys, a D line. And, and, you know, you, you had these little groups and we all came together as a team. It was always, it was platoon. So it's defense versus offense, but the head coach, was terrifying <laughs> and he was very yeah. very much removed from he's very much removed from the not the he wasn't removed from the players like if you're a senior or you've you know been around for a while you can kind of have a relationship with him but at the end of the day his job is to to win and to get you to perform at a certain level. And if you're not going to keep, he's going to come down on you. It's not going to be fun. Whereas your, you know, position coach will sometimes be a little bit more nurturing because they, they can be, they're there to develop talent. Right. right? And the the, the head coach is like, he's there to utilize that. He's the general. So I definitely can really, plus like it was probably never going to feel good to, to not be able to give someone a scholarship, right? Like if they're just not, quite up to that D one level and they're not going to help you win because your job's also on the line. You have to produce. Mm -hmm, For sure. The other thing that changed was I thought one of my big um, positives in recruiting was developing a really family, a really close connection with the athletes that I coach. So when I would bring recruits on campus, this is when I was the assistant um, and on the men's staff. So we had a men jumper come, you know, on campus visit. I had my group of jumpers over to my house all the time for barbecues and breakfast. And, uh, and once I became a head coach, I couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore. Um, I couldn't have the whole team either. That's a hundred people. Um, but I just noticed I couldn't give, even though I was coaching the same athletes, I couldn't give them the same amount of attention because now I was in a different role and I, I couldn't do that. It would look really bad as a head coach to have just these 20 guys over to my house all the time. 
mm-hmm. um, to create this family atmosphere. Um, and the way I was able to sleep at night, because it's hard when athletes are upset and they're crying or they're mad and they want to quit because whatever the reason is that you're making a decision about their, um, their participation or their scholarship. And I would say this in our team meetings, you know, I, every decision I make and I make with my staff, it's not all just me is for the best intention of the program. And that is what our goal is to be the best that we can be. And not every decision is going to be popular or, or liked, but it's the best decision for the program. Yeah. That's intense. That is, that is, it's very interesting. You you would prefer that that's never a fun position to be in, but I understand what you're saying. You, you, the tightness of the jumpers, right? Like that, those were your people. Mm-hmm. That was your tribe. And now you're the, the chief of this tribe and they're all your people and that yeah. there's over a hundred people and there's not enough you, no, no, you know, I, that, but I mean, what what do you think? We've talked about the negatives of coaching. What do you think were some of the the positives of being a head coach? Like, what what were some of the things you did enjoy? Well, I still enjoy coaching. Um, at the bottom line is, like, honestly, the administrative, doing the budget, uh, doing the travel, like, none of that. Let's just be honest. None of that's really fun. <laughs> doing the scheduling. No, that's terrible. Um, you know, all the administrative stuff that I had to do that I never had to do again, that's not, that was not fun. So the bottom line, that's why I would just go back to being an assistant is, is I love the relationships with the student athletes. And I love that they become lifelong friends. Most of them I've been, you know, to weddings and they've had babies and they keep in touch. They visit. I mean, that's, that is the most important thing to me is just being a positive influence in someone's life, like my coaches were to me. Um, and then seeing them, you know, reach their, or maybe even exceed their goals when they came in and helping them as uh, young people leave as young adults and go on and, and get jobs and, you know, be, be really good people. Yeah, absolutely. So how long, were you the head coach at Purdue? I mean, yeah, I guess how long were you there? I was the head coach for four years. Um, and then in 2004, I became pregnant with twins. Oh, oh boy. Right. And the other thing that we probably haven't touched on is uh, my husband's profession has played a huge role in my career, um, both positive and negative. So, he was also a coach at Purdue. He was the quarterback coach at Purdue and he coached Drew Brees during oh. Drew, Drew Brees' years. So we had the most wonderful time at Purdue coaching together, me track and him football. We didn't have kids. Um, and we just loved it. We would have never gone anywhere. However, the NFL came calling. Oh no. Yes. So it's a big opportunity. Yes. And so that coincided with me having the twins. And so I resigned from coaching um, from Purdue at, in 2000, this, after the Olympic trials. I went to the Olympic trials with two, like six week olds running around coaching at the Olympic trials with one in front and one in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like in Sacramento, like 100 degrees. Uh, but that was my last uh, coaching for Purdue. And then I resigned after that to okay. move to him. Uh, 
to the um, while I was pregnant. It's kind of we have such a strange life, uh, very exciting, but lots of parts. While I was coaching at Purdue at the end, when I was pregnant, he was with the Chicago Bears. Oh, okay. And so that's like an hour and a half. And so we have just had so many times in our marriage where we live in different places and go back and forth, the both of us. So once I was going to have the twins, he that coincided with him getting a job with the Detroit Lions with Steve Mariucci. Okay. So that was the time that I said, okay, now this makes sense. I'm not going to live in, you know, I'm not going to continue at Purdue in Indiana and you're going to be in, in Michigan. Like I'm not going to be alone with two babies. <laughs> yeah, no. So it, it, it kind of all worked out in the end, to be honest with you, because I was very, uh, you know, sad and emotional to leave Purdue but I knew it was the right decision for us as a family. I left, went to Michigan with him and stayed home for two years with little babies, boy and girl. Mm -hmm. And um, I would never take it back, but that was harder than working for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, And then um, I just, wherever he moved, I was able to get a job after I wanted to. So when he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with John Gruden. Oh, okay. Um, the kids were four. And then I coached um, at the University of South Florida. And I coached on the men's and women's staff. And I was the assistant head coach for six years. Holy so, so wait, he's got a Super Bowl ring then? No, he came, unfortunately, right after that. No! Man. No Super Bowl ring yet. I don't yeah. to say yet. Yes, that's that's right. So Yeah. That so that is that's that's a wild life. Not too many. There's not too many humans on the planet that are living the same life that you two are. Um, how many times have you been separated? Like he's he's like I mean I assume when after he left Detroit and went to Tampa Bay, you, you were able to go with him. You didn't have to stay. I did. Behind. Correct. Yeah. Okay. There were only four, and I wasn't coaching. Um, I was I was volunteer coaching, but I didn't have a full time coaching job, so I went with him. Okay. And then, um, boy, if I had to count how many times, it would be several because we were both in Tampa. I was coaching at South Florida. He was with the Buccaneers. John Gruden gets fired and he stays on. Thankfully, he was able to stay on Mm -hmm. with the Buccaneers, I think, for one more season. And then he went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he was in Jacksonville and I stayed with the kids in Tampa. So that was another time we were apart. Mm-hmm. Then he went from Jacksonville to the Oakland Raiders. And then I had to leave. Uh, we're not going to do that. Was That's why his job made my job so hard is even though as a woman at that level, I can get hired. I, I feel confident wherever he went. Mm-hmm. What I really didn't like was recruiting student athletes to come to the university and then leave. Yeah, that's that's tough. And that is why, it, uh, as we go along with my career, why I ended up getting out of it. Per- I don't know if it's permanently, but it's been quite a while. Is it's so hard to recruit with across the table from young people and their parents, and they're asking you, "How long will you be here?" And because we're coming, if this male or female jumper comes, they're coming. Cause they want to, they want you to be their coach. Yes. 
and I, I, I never lied. I would say, I can't guarantee I'll be here, but right now I have no intentions of leaving. So, I mean, and, and you know, I, I never thought he would get hired from away to the Oakland Raiders. So that obviously by coastal is not going to work with four year olds. So no, no. Um, actually at the time I take that back, they were like nine. So, uh, cause we had, anyway, we had stayed there when he was in Jacksonville. So, and that is what brought me, that's why I'm in California right now. So he was hired, uh, with the Oakland Raiders and I came out coached at Cal Berkeley okay. for two, for two seasons. Um, and that is when I realized this is not going to work anymore. There was a lot of different factors. Um, the traffic here in California is, you know, ridiculous. So that's terrible. We live in Pleasanton. Berkeley is like an hour away, bumper to bumper traffic. And then as my kids got older and getting in their own sports, I was missing everything. So Greg, obviously, he's missing everything because he, he kind of always has, though. But I've always been there. Yeah. <laughs> so for two seasons when I was coaching at Cal, I was just like – it didn't feel right sending in them with, with all, all these parents, you know, they were going with other parents and then I was getting texts and pictures and how great they were doing. And I'm like in Texas at a track meet thinking, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So, and I didn't want to be, I, I didn't think I would, I didn't think I was my best version of myself as a coach that last season at Cal, because I was wishing I was with my kids. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't, it's not fair to them. So, and I had just recruited one of the best high jump. Well, actually she was the state champion high jumper out of high school. And I left and I just, I just thought it, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to keep bringing the kids in and getting really close and, and then seeing them progress and be so excited and then have to leave right in the middle of their career, which I have done several times. Wow. Yeah. So that is when I decided I need to do something else for a while. I resigned from coaching and that's when I got into the teaching at Las Positas um, Health and Fitness. And my husband is now in Las Vegas. So now we are again living apart. Okay. Because obviously the Raiders moved to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. The kids um, are now seniors in high school. So they're 17 and they just started their senior year this, this week. And so the big question is what will I do uh, after they go to college? My daughter has already committed to UCLA for volleyball. And then, oh, my, wow. yeah, yeah. She's volleyball recruits so early. She committed um, like her, the summer after her sophomore year. Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Holy smokes. With a ver verbal commitment. And then she yeah. signed this last year. Well, she'll actually sign this fall. Oh, okay. Is there anybody else that's trying to slide in at the last minute? No, they're really good about doing that. I mean, she had her final five, and it was it, that recruiting. It was kind of interesting being on this side of the recruiting. Yeah, I know. You're on the other side. Wow. So you, you are this very is... qualified to see all the bullshit. And you have a, you, oh. you, you probably knew more and maybe said less. I don't know. But like, uh, that's interesting. So, what was it like being on the other she side? She was really, uh, I, I give my daughter a lot of uh, credit because she totally let me in on her recruiting. And we would sit down after um, Zoom meetings with coaches and coaching staffs, and we would write pros and cons. I mean, she really bounced a lot of stuff off me. At the end, 
I give her, she was, she's always been so mature, but she, it came down to UCLA because as she said, she said, mom, you always told me to pick the school that I would want to be at if volleyball was not in the equation. And hands down, UCLA met that standard. So um, in the end, it kind of got easy, even though like for three months, it was totally chaos and uh, confusion. And I mean, it's, it's very complimentary and it's such a blessing to be recruited like that. So she's in the, she made a really good decision. She's in the right Um, spot. That's a great school. They get a great, great athletic program, especially basketball this year. How about that? That was crazy. Yeah, they (laughs) do. Their athletic department is so good. And volleyball is very, very highly regarded and really well respected there. So I'm really happy for her. And then our son is, um, he's a football player. So he is being recruited for football and he's in the process of making his decision. And I'm hoping he stays in California because that would be very convenient um, for us. <laughs> that would be. So wh- who, which schools are, are interested? So right now, Cal Berkeley is one. And then um, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, um, San Diego State. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, University of Nevada, Reno. He's kind of waiting to see what happens this senior season because of COVID and they didn't have a season last year. Mm-hmm. A lot of the programs are waiting to see what he does his senior year. And um, he really blossomed during COVID. He He's so tall now. He put on like 30 pounds. He's like 195, 6'2". Nice. Well, 198, 6'2". Um, so I think he's going to get he's going to wait and just um, see what happens the senior season, which um, I think he's going to have some good opportunities. I hope so. I mean, there's a school, it's a little North here, all right? A little town called Corvallis. Tell him to look look into that. You know, actually his dream, one of his dream schools is Oregon. So I don't, no, no, no. He's listen. You've, we got to educate him a little bit more on that because that's just a, that's a team of snakes. They're terrible. I'm just <laughs> it's a beautiful campus. It's a beautiful I know. Campus. He just, you know, I just want him. I don't even care where he goes. I just want him to be happy, and yeah. I don't even care if he plays football. I, I've always felt not so much with Grace. That's my daughter because neither her dad or I played volleyball, so we weren't never we were never in her business. Yeah, no. Where my son with a dad in the NFL, I've always thought he has this extra pressure and expectation to be amazing and to, um, you know, he may or may not play the PAC 12. I, you know, I don't know if he's a PAC 12 player. I think he can be, but if he, but if he isn't, I don't care because John Gruden, we'll have these conversations with him, his own dad, who is pretty successful in the football mm-hmm. career, did not play Division One. John mm-hmm. Gruden did not play Division One. Sean McVay, who Greg coached with him at the LA Rams. Holy smokes, yeah. He did not play Division One. So it doesn't just give you the automatic, you know, you're going to have an amazing career in football. So I just, you know, want him to be happy wherever he goes. And he's kind of, you know, he'll have some good connections, but... In the end, he has to make his own choice, and um, and I think he'll form his own path and not be in the shadow of of his dad. Yeah, and that and that's tough. I mean, but you know, it is that's a lot of pressure 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pressure, but hopefully it did come with a little advantage because his dad being a quarterback coach, he's got probably got a lot of tips and pointers, got rid of a, probably oh, never okay. formed that many bad habits or anything like right. that. So well, that, how, you know, how cool is it to have, okay. So every year pre COVID, everything's like pre COVID mm-hmm. every year in our son's, uh, as he, as soon as he was old enough, I'm going to say probably eight he would go to training camp wherever Greg was coaching and stay for and actually be the ball boy on the sidelines. And then these last couple of years when he was old enough, he actually played with the team. Like they would bring him in and he would play wide receiver or he's a linebacker against, you know, I mean, it wasn't like tackle. It was when they were just in t-shirts and shorts, but Mm -hmm. here he is playing with Derek Carr and Antonio Brown at the time. You know, who gets a chance to do that? So yeah, that's insane. Just being around that. If you look, he's got a very good chance. Cause if you look at a lot of ex pros and now you see their kids in the league, right? Cause you, you know what it takes the dedication, the discipline, like you understand what you're getting into at all levels. You have other people that'll talk to you. I'm sure the players will pull them aside and give them tips and pointers and how to be and how to carry yourself, which is amazing. So when he gets to college, he'll know I'm going to have to work hard, which is, I should have known that, but that's what I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I was a young man and I thought I was the shit. And then I realized that there are people that are 21 and are angry and are, this is their chance to play. And I'm 18 thinking, I'm going to start. No, you're going to red shirt and you're going to work. Right. And you're going to be shit on. And I was not okay with that. Yes. Um, you have to so work your the, way, earn your stripes. You got to ex- earn your, you know, earn your, earn your way. Absolutely. Nothing's and he, given. And he wants to be a coach. Both our kids want to be coaches. So, um, that will definitely be beneficial. I mean, I don't know if he'll play post-college and I don't care if he does or not, but I the connections he'll make for coaching and already has are yeah. uh, phenomenal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause that's a hard profession. path. To, it's a hard, it's a, it's such a hard profession. I have, it is. I have friends that were strength and conditioning coaches and one of them got out of it, but like it's, you have this job, that's going to pay you a lot of money in Nebraska and, Oh wait, this coach got fired. Oh man, I'm scared. Do I have a job? And then your buddy or whatever text you is like, I got a job in Pennsylvania. Get out here right now. It, you, you follow coaching staffs yeah. around. It's all about connections in that world. And uh-huh. it's very rare that you can have a dynasty, right? Like in Alabama or New England where you can be stable and stay. Oh, they're so some, lucky. Yeah, right. You can actually put some roots down. So lucky. Oh my gosh. So lucky. It, yes. That's very rare. Most, most everyone in your, your, your and your husband's profession is you're bouncing around yeah. next school, this place. It's, it's taxing. I it couldn't, is. I don't know if yeah. I could do it. I might have a mental breakdown. I'm sure you've very close to several times. <laughs> We've made it work, but it definitely has not been easy. And we always said wherever I am with the kids and uh, when they start high school, we're staying. And that's why we're not in Las Vegas. So that'll be our next, you know, our next big decision is what will happen when they go off to college and and we'll, we're just going to wait and see if he's even with, you know, there's no, there's no forecast that he won't be with the Raiders, but you never know. He could get hired away. It's just, there's so many, um, variables, you know, that could happen. So we'll just see after the season, 
what what happens and go from there. One it's, season, one season, one season at a time. One season at a time. Yeah. That's how you got to live your life. That is our mantra. And, and so you, you're you're currently a professor at um at a Las school Pesitas, uh, yes. Las Pesitas, thank you. Yes. And absolutely. I was wondering the kids are leaving. Are you getting back in the coaching game? Why not? One last hurrah. I would love to. Um, now, saying that, the, again, kind of going back to my husband, <laughs> is currently, let's say I go to Las Vegas, right? There's really one UNLV, right? And so it kind of goes back to the same dilemma of are they willing to hire me? It's a little bit tricky because knowing who my husband is, which of course they will, it's a little bit of a gamble on their part that they're going to hire me potentially for a year or two. So even though no one can guarantee oh, I'm going to be here for six years, no one can do that. But I always have felt a little bit in a deficit when they know what my husband does for a living. Because then we're kind of back into that same mode of I'm going and I'm recruiting the best athletes that I can get to UNLV with no guarantee that I'll be there for their career. It, um, so what I've also thought of, though, is um, my master's degree and then I have my coursework uh, for my PhD all in athletic administration. Mm -hmm. So in that respect it might be, I shouldn't say easier to get hired, but easier leaving if I am working in the athletic department in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And because my background is education, it probably would be like, I would love to be involved in the academic part, an academic advisor, or they have a lot, most universities have like a life enrichment program where they have to take a life skills, the student athletes have to take a life skills class, like it's one credit life skills class, which is, you know, living what's going to happen post college. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I would love to be involved. If I can't coach, um, then I would, just, I just want to work around college athletes. I think that's fair, but I definitely don't think it's going to be a problem because you also have to consider, right. You've, other schools have hired you knowing what your husband does for a living, meaning that they're probably thinking, all right, this was the head co coach of Purdue. She was there for four years. She's been to the Olympic trials. She obviously knows which, and she's able to bring in the top recruits. It's better for us to have her for a year or two than not have her at all. Well, thank you. I hope that's what they think. <laughs> well, why wouldn't they? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's a great perspective. That That is, I, that's, I appreciate that. I would hope that would be my hope that they would think that. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think you, I think you got to get back in the coaching game. I think that it's, it's, there's nothing like it. No. You get a, you get to cultivate young minds and make them stronger and push them past what they believe they're capable of. And that is something that's got to feel amazing. It's got to be amazing to be a part of that, which is why you've been doing this. Yeah, it's and there's nothing like it. I never worked a day in my life. I I couldn't wait to get to work every single day. 
I wasn't never in a hurry to leave. I just being out of the track, working with athletes is, is my place, my happy place. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 I think it's cool that you found also in your partner, someone else that shares that same philosophy. I think that's interesting. How did you, how did you guys meet? If you don't mind my asking. Yeah, I'll tell you his story. Cause it was, um, it's it well because I didn't know I didn't know a lot of this until later. Um, so when I was at Washington State on the track team, he was a graduate assistant football coach. He had just finished his um, he played for Central Washington, and he had just finished his eligibility. And so now he went to Washington State to be a graduate assistant, get his um, master's degree, and try and get into coaching. The head coach at the time was Dennis Erickson. Oh, and, yes. Legend. And then after him was Mike Price. Okay. Wow. Um, Mike Price came to our wedding. So his story is, I mean, it is his story. It's the truth. It's all I know. So <laughs> they were on the, they being the football team, they were on the football field doing their thing, practicing. The track team, we would go in there and run the football stadium stairs for a workout. And so we come in, we're running the stairs. And he said, he turned to the coach next to him and said, I'm going to marry that girl. And, no pointed, yeah, and pointed to me. Yeah. That's, that, that's that, is, that is absolutely insane. It is crazy. So, of course, I didn't even know he existed at the time. <laughs> my, um, in the fraternity sorority system, my little brother, Tim Rosenbaugh, was the quarterback. And he found that out. Greg found that out. And so he kind of angled. He kept bugging Tim to introduce us. And Tim was like, hey, dude, I don't want any. I don't want to do this. This is not, you know, she's my, <laughs> she's my big sis. I don't want to be involved. Um, but, yeah, eventually he, uh, he introduced us. And so, yeah. The rest is history. The rest. 30 years this. Uh, we've been married 30 years this summer. Holy smokes. That's Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Congre 30 years going what strong. We, what we always joke about is we've been married for 30 years, but we've really only lived together for 15. <laughs> so, <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> we probably have lived apart in half of our marriage. It's, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy uh, like chess game. You go here, I go here, you go here, then I go, then I go, then you go. So, yeah, it's been... It's been fun, though. But I think it's cool. None of you have held each other back from your perspective dreams, right? right. Like you, 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 you were at the top. You achieved the pinnacle. You did have to sacrifice. Definitely want to point that out. You didn't have to, but you did, right? right? For the good of the family, right? And there, so there's not any resentment. You've both were, have been able to chase your dreams, yeah. and that's not something that you see a lot in this world, right? You, you both are living lives of meaning and purpose and doing what you were put on this earth to do. I mean, we were kind of talking about this off the podcast. I love being around people like you. I love your energy is most, most people live lives of like quiet desperation. Mm. They, they don't achieve their dreams. And I think it, maybe it's from setting the bar too low and not truly knowing what they're capable of or just making the wrong decisions when it comes to keeping their meat wagon, their body healthy. Right. So right. Um, I think it's great. I, I have definitely like enjoyed 
talking to you. And I really appreciate you take come, taking the time and coming on this show. And I'd love to have you back once you get become the head coach, whatever program or wait, assistant. <laughs> yeah, thank assistant you. Assistant yeah. coach. All yeah. right. I remember you like doing that more. Uh, I'd love to have you back. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been fun to kind of relive that. You kind of forget, you know, just day to day what what brought you to this this day and where I am right now. So I appreciate it. Uh, anytime. Yeah, I, I, I am. It was, it was great to meet you and, and I'll reach out Thank again. You. Definitely okay. keep me posted on wherever you end up. All right. Okay. We'll have you back Absolutely. on. Fantastic. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lisa. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.